0: In New York call 8778 HOPE and or text HOPE and In Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21+ plus. age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources.
1: what's up everybody remember us i don't know <laughs> if you do uh it's been a little bit since it's it's been so long that we actually did the outro on the intro so that's that's fun times but you still get a little bit of credit hey open we'll call it opening credits how about that john yeah opening credits uh been a hot minute since we've uh seen seen all of you heard all of you um look i i apologize i've been really under the weather as of uh this week and, and week last weekend etc but there's a lot to talk about this week. I'm Anthony. He is John. Two game winning streak buddy.
2: Two game winning streak. Who would have thought? Not us, right? Do, <laughs> not doing, us. Doing the doing the reverse Paul Rudd thing there, right? Yeah, so, um, yeah. I was gonna say, where's Paul Rudd? <laughs> but it, it's it's been fun, you know, two not only just two wins, two 34 point outings, right? So Fun offense to watch, a better defensive performance in front of the home crowd, which is always nice. One final NFC team to go. They've done well against this conference, right? But this really does begin. This last four games are going to be a pretty interesting, to say the least, stretch of games for what this offense is, who this quarterback is. And this might be the first big test for what this new look Bengals team looks like.
1: New look Bengals team. And I was saying this, I mean, I I guess we can kind of continue some of the conversations we had last week a little bit because we were kind of like, hey, this is kind of new. We're kind of excited about the win. What's going to be coming ahead? And there's been more of a sample size, right? So now we can kind of look at things and say, okay, um, obviously there are some similarities to what Jake Browning and Joe Burrow ran with this offense. There are some differences as well. And a lot of things that point to the Bengals' working towards Browning's strengths in the offense here. One of the things I pointed out, I was actually just recently uh, talking to my brother about it, is one of the things, you, you talked about an improved defense, right? The last couple of weeks, um, I think it's been about 58 and a half on average, allowing 58 and a half yards rushing on the ground. Prior to that, the Bengals were basically the worst rushing defense in the NFL in terms of yards allowed. I think part of that, and, and you, I would love to take get your assessment on it, but I think part of that is you know, some of these drives, these methodical drives, these sustained drives on offense are allowing a little bit – it's not just three passes, zip right back out their defense and and give us another stop, get us a turnover, that sort of thing. There's a little bit more of a rest. There's a little bit more of a let's gather ourselves, let's talk about things on the sideline, um, whereas before that wasn't always the case,
2: particularly when
1: Burrow had the calf injury earlier in the year.
2: Yeah, there's a couple things working here. I mean, every defense is going to play better when they're playing ahead, right? So when the offense right. is in neutral, positive game scripts, they can do their own thing. They don't have to worry about playing from behind. They don't have to worry about opposing pass rushers, pinning their ears back, and getting after the, getting after Jake Brown and everything. But the opposite is true for the Bengals' defense. When they're playing with a the lead, they can play more fresh. They can play more loose. And when they're getting off the field quicker because they're not – like there are still some drives, you know, the Colts had where – you know, they, they drove down the field and everything, and that's just mm-hmm. natural. Mm-hmm. That's just what the Bengals' defense does. But for the most part, you're not seeing as many of those. You're not seeing as many dominant drives allowed by this defense, and that means less rotation. So you have less chances for the backups, the, the reserves on the defense line to get on the field. That's where you've typically seen a lot of gashes in the run game. This was by far their best performance in terms of just tackling. I think they were graded at like 88 mm-hmm. by purple focus, only three missed tackles, compared to 20 defensive stops, which are – constituted as failures for the offense it's a pretty good ratio to have and it's going to lead to performances like we saw where they allowed you know fewer than 50 rushing yards so their best performance date there are a lot of reasons why but i remember when we talked i think it was like before after the arizona game when they had another bad tackling performance and it's just like this is not something where we, we can just you know describe very advanced ways to improve this this just it's just a simple they have to tackle better right and i think we're seeing that positive regression kind of happening right now over the past couple weeks even against the jags when they gave up 31 points they were still tackling at a better rate than we had seen them in previous weeks and this goes back to i think Uh, After the Steelers game, Lou, Lou Inarumo was very honest, very animated about the lack of effort, the lack of just performance in that regard. They've been practicing more in terms of run fits and practice. I think they've been repping out like 30 extra a day. I think the results are showing now.
1: The results are showing now, as is maturity and development. From some of the players, um, the DJs had good weeks yeah. last week in the secondary DJ Turner, of course, showing the part. I mean, there's there's some bumps in the road here and there, but the speed is there. The closing speed is there. And the I mean, the coverage ability is definitely there. And I think we, I mean, every week we talk about I know Cam Taylor Britt hasn't been out there the past couple, but he was arguably their best defensive player throughout a portion of this season before he went on IR. And so the future is pretty dang bright between DJ Turner and Cam Taylor Britt as your future corners. And oh, by the way, DJ Ivy pitching in uh, with a, a, a pass defended last week and a special teams play as well. So uh, it, it just kind of points a little bit to, you know what, there were some young players, there were, there was some inexperience in some of these areas on defense and now snaps time, learning the NFL speed, all of that kind of stuff, I think is maybe clicking at the right time for some of these young guys.
2: I mean, when we talked about this rookie class, there was nothing to talk about with DJ Ivy. Like he couldn't see the field. It's not a problem when your seventh round cornerback is not getting reps. It means for the most part, your guys are healthy, but Cam Taylor has been down. Chittabit Wuzier has been coming back. He's Now he's starting. He's looking like his old self, but there's still some type of rotation there. And I think now we're seeing, you know, Mike Hilton, you know, he's been playing safety throughout the year and that leads to an opportunity for other cornerbacks. I think even Jordan Battle got a, got a rep at cornerback in this game because Hilton was down at safety. But you still have that dynamic going on, and it led to, I think, the first extended action we saw out of DJ Ivy. And for a seventh-round pick, who, again, had an impressive offseason, impressive mm-hmm. preseason, he he's definitely earned this spot on this team. But if there was, like, a game that you could possibly have for only having, like, 14 snaps on defense and however many on special teams, and there was a performance that you could have that would command more playing time, he absolutely had it. He, <laughs> he, he deflected the ball away from Alec Pierce on that, on that kind of like a double-move-go route. Even he, when he yep. lost inside leverage, he was still able to find the ball Located with his 33, 34 inch arms, and of course one of, one of the best special teams plays I've seen in a long time, especially from the Bengals, who have been kind of lackluster in that regard in the past couple of years. But to throw a, a Colts um, blocker into Isaiah McKenzie out of all people who you know has some comments about as you know, a former Bill about the Bengals Bills in the playoffs, right. so he muffed the punt and he forced that muff and then he recovered. It, he fell on it. So what an outstanding limited performance we saw from D.J. I mean, if there's any way for him to get on the field more, like he put it all on tape.
1: It's the what is it the Chris Evans effect, right? You know the yeah. the, the the wow per snap is uh, <laughs> really high for for DJ Ivy. Hey, props to Bruce Cox who had a lot of lot to say last week in our live oh, show. Yeah. But he said I'm still recovering as a Colts fan. Hey, I, that that brings us kind of to a, a you know we a, we asked this last week. You know fluke or trend? You know between the Bengals last week there were a lot of questions because Lawrence left the game. You know, you had just kind of some penalty stuff and all kinds of different things against the Jaguars. We go, well, maybe that was just one of those. Hey, you know, it just happened to kind of work out a little bit uh, for the Bengals here. And then they follow it up with a 20 point win. Now, things got really crazy around halftime, shortly before halftime. They saw a 14 0 lead evaporate, and uh, they, you know, the Colts ended up tying it up. But the Bengals shot out a halftime and never looked back. Four sacks in this game, John. They're averaging three per game uh, since Jake Browning has taken over as the starter. Uh, I mean, I, as we look at this again, we, we were kind of unsure last week, right, when we would address this question. We were like, well, there's stuff here that says, yeah, it's a fluke, but there's stuff here that says they're trending upward. And now we've got a two-game, three-total-game sample size, two-game win streak sample size here. How much has your – opinion changed if if at all at this point on if these bangles are a fluke or a trend for the rest
2: of the year I, th- I think this week was still in that phase of defenses not really knowing what to expect and i don't think you could find better evidence of that than i think frank pollock was talking to jay morrison earlier this week and players are coming up to pollock and saying You know, Colts players were trying to call out plays that they thought the Bengals were going to run, and it was complete opposite. And it was happening all game. Like the Colts were just in a complete blender in terms of what to expect on the field. There, there still wasn't a lot of tape on this new look offense, but it undoubtedly works against you know the opponents where you know the defense is not that strong. The Colts over the past several weeks, you know, they had the benefit of doubt, or they had the benefit of playing some pretty bad offenses, and I think that kind of inflated their numbers, but they're they just weren't really able to match up with the with Spangles' offense the way that they rolled it out. And part of that is because they're protecting the offensive line a lot better now just because they're just putting them in fewer precarious situations. They're running, they're running the ball more effectively, just going under center more and just getting the, the ball out of Jake Browning's hands quicker on these screen passes, on these short passes. It's just making everything flow a lot better. And I think because of everything and how vastly different it has been with the new quarterback, I think it's still – leading to a lot of confusion for defenses especially ones that just aren't you know able to match up from a personnel standpoint like DeForest Buckner is still one of the very best interior defensive or interior pass rushers in the game he had one pressure in 26 reps because honestly there just wasn't a ton of opportunities for him to get to Jake Browning he just got the ball out so quickly and there's a lot of misdirection a lot of bootlegs and everything so the way that the offense is still operating right now it can definitely protect and enhance the offensive line better when the offensive line plays this well, you know, Jake Browning is going to is going to dice you up on those short passes and even if he's not the most accurate down the field, like those opportunities are going to open up because of the way the offense is going.
1: So a lot of stuff here also about uh here it is, Brandon on uh, Facebook, the reason we're having success is because we're no longer one dimensional, meaning pass pass first pass happy, I assume is what he's referring to in we are committing to the run game, setting up the play-action game. I think you also said it very astutely, John, about misdirections, bootlegs. Uh, I noticed, you know, RPO stuff, just stuff that makes a quarterback comfortable. Um, I mean, you saw RPO stuff being run by the Colts with Minshew, where it's, you know, RPO, pull it back, look at that first read type of thing. Um, now, Browning's going through his progressions, it would seem, pretty well. But, I mean, it's, it's a lot of it, again, based off play-action, a bootleg rollout. Um, yeah, it's, you know, find the, find the first target potentially, but a, a lot of times you'll notice if that big one's not there, he just goes right to the back, uh, out of, you know, d- down, down low, if that's not his first read. But as Mr. Whisper notes, um, you know, the, the Colts rewatched the game and didn't, didn't see Chase Brown blaze by them. You know, we kind of talked him up a little bit. Uh, he is now adding a new dimension to this offense with his speed, his cut ability, and his breaking tackle ability, and so you have Mixon as your as your number one guy. But for two weeks straight, Brown has popped two big plays: one uh, running the ball against J- Jacksonville, and then this week, of course, the big touchdown that he took all the way on the screen pass and a nice move at the end there. So he is bringing a nice added dimension to this Bengals team in both the run and the pass.
2: Yeah, and that was one hundred percent needed, and I feel like I'm just a broken record because we've been talking about this since May, but just going under center and just showing new looks and just completely opening up the run game—it's just—it's—it's it's done wonders. And I—I I swear to God, this was the plan from the beginning of the season. And then they couldn't go under center with Burrow because of the calf injury, and then that, and that was still a process that they had to kind of institute because it's just not what he does normally and it may not be what he's most comfortable with but if there's any proof that this just needs to be a permanent fixture portion of the offense the past two weeks have definitely shown that it just makes everything just more balanced and just overall better and you can still keep the base of what burrow does well eventually when he comes back but chase brown you know when he when, as soon as he was able to come back from the hamstring injury it was at a point where they were just running mixing into the dirt and they were just doing the same two or three runs out of shotgun it just it, it was just not working everyone could know what it was and everyone knows just it was just easy to defend and everything and now you have this guy coming in with a whole bunch of speed and juice to, to him and of course when he just gets acres of land to you know glide 20 miles an hour through <laughs> yeah it, it obviously does help so it, it, it was it was a master class again from this Bengals coaching staff and their offensive architects to just craft up a lot of things that, that this offense does well right now. And again, when they have defenses that just aren't able to to match up, it's going to look something like this. It may not always be 34 points, but you know, they, they just took advantage.
1: And the yin and yang to that is, I mean, it it then creates a scenario wherein Joe Mixon's touches become more effective, right? When he, even though he's splitting them, and maybe there's a little bit of a, a, a cut, it, the less predictable nature of of what his carries are, you know, the fact that the Bengals are having some success with Brown on certain play, it just makes when Mixon gets his touches that much more effective. And you're you're seeing just a nice balance between the two there. Mixon's still getting the lion's share of the touches, but Brown still having his effect being felt in the offense. And uh, like you said, balance. Look. I mean, I know we don't like to necessarily talk about a balanced offense as much with Joe Burrow. When you have Joe Burrow as your quarterback and healthy, and you know running this offense, we've seen what he can do when he distributes the ball. And they're a pass-first offense, I know. But with this now change to Jake Browning, balance is key. And you know, it's it's you're seeing a, a better output by the offensive line. You're seeing a better output in the run game, and you're seeing a better output and and other guys contribute. In this offense, you know, Boyd's getting his catches here and there. And then of course Hudson getting his first what first career touchdown last week, right? Um, unfortunate play right before the half there, where he kind of had the one hand and he almost like served it up to the other <laughs> defender there on the pick six. Uh, tough ball there. But regardless, uh, I mean, he's getting his his plays as well, and and the ball's being distributed to a lot of different players. So credit to Zach Taylor, all the way down, you know, Brian Callahan and all the way down to Jake Browning and the rest of the offense. They're they're clicking right now. And like you said, you know, thirty plus points the last two weeks.
3: When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast.
1: is the not only this week, but the rest of the schedule? We've talked about how, including last week, then the, the the then five games remaining on the schedule. There are four backup quarterbacks now. Four games left, three backup quarterbacks plus a Chiefs team that is. I, I yeah I I, just, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean we know they're we know they like to complain about the officiating. That's for sure. So. Other than that, I mean, there, there's a weird, weird pattern. Then the, the Browns win games with, I, I mean, there's all kinds of weird things left with the with the teams on the schedule here. But the Bengals got to take it one week at a time, and they are heading trending towards a, a good direction here. But this is a big, this is a big test. I mean, we just talked about fluke or trend um, before we took the air here. You used a nice term, litmus test, and I I took that and ran with it, my friend, because I think that is the right. Term to use here, and not not like oh litmus test. Are they? You know, it's. I don't want to say this is going to make or break their playoff chances because weird things can happen if they do lose. You know, with other teams going on here. But I mean, this is kind of one of those teams where you go, okay, this is maybe they're on their third starting quarterback of the year. They're still a tough team. They're winning games and finding ways to win with backup quarterbacks. This is a home game. You you feel like there's a lot of elements where you say. Bengals should win this game, but this is also very tough. And these are the types of teams that are going to be in the playoff bracket should the Bengals sneak in.
2: Yeah. Reason why Bengals should win this game. Nick Mullins is playing, right? No one knows who Nick Mullins is right now. Like he was, he was like the poster child for, oh, Kyle Shanahan can get eight yards per attempt out of any quarterback, right? Because he was just, (laughs) he wasn't lighting the world on fire, but he was like, he was doing better than people thought Nick Mullins was going to do in his first couple of years As a starting quarterback, but he's been a backup now for you know four or five years. He's been with Minnesota for the past couple of years. He's got some playing time here and there. I think when you know they had minor injuries, but you know he was supposed to be the backup, and then he was hurt. Then they have Josh Dobbs, and that whole story, and you know Dobbs kind of went down in flames in the past couple of weeks. Now he's back, so no one knows who Nick Mullins is. We we have an idea who he was in San Francisco. That, that's an obvious advantage, for, especially for Bengals defense that's that's catching its stride. And also, you know, there's injuries that the Vikings are dealing with. They don't, they don't have the right tackle, they don't have the running back for this game. So there's going to be, you know, opportune matchups, and maybe more of the you know, onus is going to be placed on Nick Mullins. The problem, the opposite side of that, the Vikings arguably have the best defense in the NFL since week six. They are number one in points per drive, they're number one in red zone percentage, they're fourth in yards per drive, they're second in blitz percentage. All those numbers are per. Paul Dinner Jr. Out of the Athletic. they're like top five or top two in terms of DVOA throughout the entire season. They are an aggressive defense. And Browning said it himself in his weekly presser. It's the exact opposite defense compared to the Indianapolis Colts. And somehow the Vikings are also still really frequent in terms of dropping eight. So they do a lot of things. Brian Flores has never been known to be passive. He's always been an aggressive play caller as a defensive coordinator. I think there might be still some history between him and Zach Taylor based off of mm-hmm. that kerfuffle that happened in Miami a few years ago, but Flores like his identity is pretty consistent. They have Daniel Hunter coming off the edge. They just play fast. They play aggressive and this is the part where if the Bengals end up in a deficit now that requires the Vikings to score they only scored three points last week, right? So th- this could just be like God, that game uh, you know, oh, a, a God. stalemate a very ugly stalemate again. But if the God. Bengals do find themselves in a situation where they're in negative game script and you have Jake Browning dropping back in true drop-back situations against a defense that's going to pin its ears back and you, and it's going to be gotta-have-it points or you know gotta-have-it drives, th- th- this is where the litmus test comes in because it's been all fun and games, playing with the lead, playing in, in neutral situations where you can lean on the run where the defense doesn't really know that you're going to pass or not. If Jake Browning finds finds himself in those situations... I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen because we kind of saw it against Pittsburgh. But again, that was a whole different offense, how this new offense does in those potential scenarios where it's like, everyone knows it's going to be a pass. It's going to be like, it could be like a 10 play drive where It's going to be nine passes in all true dropback situations where you can't hide them under play action. I don't know, but this defense is going to be gunning for him.
1: This is why I like the litmus test. Brazing. This week in its own, like you said, provides a huge test for the offense and Jake Browning and how they're going to approach things. And we'll talk, we'll talk some details on what we think the Bengals could and should do this week in order to get this win in just a just a few minutes. But it's it's beyond this week, John. And I think this is that's where the litmus test thing comes in because you mentioned the Pittsburgh game. Yes, different offense that the Bengals are running, but aggressive defense, yep. very good at getting to the passer. And not letting up a lot of points, a lot of yards, for the most part, do the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, regardless of how terrible their quarterback play is, right? Then you have them again, right, in a couple of weeks, right before Christmas. And then you have the Cleveland Browns defense, which has long given the Bengals fits. They are aggressive. They tackle well. They get after the quarterback well. So in this regard, yes, this week is this week, and they need to focus on this week. But how the Bengals perform this week, let's say they get the win, let's say they look pretty good against this Vikings defense, which is, as you put it, basically one of, if not the best since like October. Um, That can be the barometer of what's ahead for the two remaining AFC North games on this. And now, different, you know, there's nuanced defenses and all that kind of stuff. I get that, there are differences. But those are two very good defenses that the Bengals will play in Pittsburgh and uh, against Cleveland. And so this week presents an opportunity to not only put your best foot forward, get a win and continue to be in the playoff picture, but also give yourself confidence and a game plan, a blueprint against those two teams to end the year.
2: Yeah, and it's it's not even just Browning. Like he's obviously the most important (laughs) opponent to this because he touches the ball every play. But I, I continue to go back to the offensive line because the talent level there has not changed, right? It it was it was playing at a certain level throughout the first, you know, ten or so weeks. And it was it was, it was doing fine despite you know constant drop back situations and whatnot. But like the way that the offense has been constructed and been called over the past couple of weeks has greatly benefited them. Like they've only been in true pass sets twenty-eight percent of the time, and their efficiency in those uh, specific scenarios has been a lot better just because they're, they're seeing them at a, at a less frequent rate it's it's basically what the dolphins do with their offensive line they like they completely maximize their their talent because of the way that they call games and obviously you know tyree kills an important part of that too which is what we saw against the titans but again when you when you have a pretty good defensive line you're going up against and you're in just true drop x situations that's when we could see that efficiency kind of drop a little bit so mm-hmm. if they if they can still you know deploy a lot of play action a lot of screens a lot of quick passes to, to to again nullify the lack of athleticism on this offense line because it's still an issue and still a problem that I think they should address in the off season like this was only 2 weeks ago when it got completely battered against Pittsburgh that's another component to this like the the less comfortable Jake Browning is the more prone that he could be to mistakes he hasn't made it I guess he's only made one turnover-worthy throw with, with that pick six against against the Colts, but it's been relatively pretty smooth sailing w- with him because he's been protected as well as he w- as he has been, and a lot of that has to do with the play calling in the run game. So if they can still run the ball pretty effectively against Minnesota, I think they'll they'll still be in a situation where they can continue this plan that, that they have with them. But you know they're, the Vikings aren't necessarily slacking against the run either. Like they may not be a, as well a, a compared to rushing the passer, but. Like that's it. The, like the whole dynamic with that, I think is is huge for Jake Browning because under pressure, he like most quarterbacks. It's not even a Jake Browning thing. It's just a it's just an inexperienced quarterback thing. You put him under pressure, and the results are greatly different.
1: Uh, P. Crowley, Crowley, Crawley five one three with a little bit of a touche. The Monday Night Football game against the Jags wasn't a litmus test. It was in the form of kind of, mo- of more mile-high view, in my opinion, mile-high view of, hey, you know, how is this team with Jake Browning, how are they going to do against a quality opponent on the road in prime time? That's kind of just the whole, the, you know, the overarching concept to it of it being a quote-unquote litmus test. I think what you and I are talking about is a little more deep diving into the weeds and potential specific matchups of this offense against this defense and how that can potentially predict future outcomes against similarly good defenses to end the year as the Bengals push for the playoffs. So I, I think it's just a, a little bit more of a semantics slash specifics type of argument uh, in terms of litmus test and whatnot. But regardless, the Bengals have a sneaky tough game this week. You know, a lot of people are looking at this going, well, Nick Mullins and uh, the Vikings, who have they beat? They put up three points last week, by the way, how big of uh, how much of a bummer is it for Amazon for this Thursday night game this week? They have the Chargers oh, playing the Raiders in the week that Justin Herbert goes on IR, and the Raiders are coming off of a goose egg 3-0 loss to these Vikings. They got to be like, what? If you thought Al Michaels was bored in his job before, uh, you, may, <laughs> you may you may you may want to get alternative uh, I don't know alternative announcing options this week. I don't know. I'm just playing around, but. Regardless, that's the Thursday night slate that will be coming up uh, on Thursday night in just a little bit here. But we're going to talk a little bit more about injury reports. There's some interesting stuff this week for both the Vikings and the Bengals. And we'll talk about keys. We talked just a little bit about what the Vikings defense uh, may be showing the Bengals and how they may need to respond to that accordingly. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I promise we usually go live far more than once a week. Uh, had a little bit of a health issue. I don't like to say that. I guess that makes it sound way worse than it was, but i uh, been laid out with a cold flu thing uh, last weekend and, and early this week. But on the mend, you can probably still hear the little nasally stuff I got going on here. But regardless, we usually go live much more frequently than once a week. And we do a lot of different shows on the Orange Fleck Insider here. He's John. I'm Anthony. You can get this show through a variety of different means, on the audio platform of your choosing—iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music—any of those, we're on all of them. On the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, go get that, subscribe to that, and you can get not only our show but Matt Minnick's Coach Speak and Chalk Talk, Bengal Jim and friends, and their uh, their show Talking Football. They just had Ken Anderson on, so go check that out. Our 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 friend as well, we like to to kind of claim him as our own here a little bit. He's been on our show a handful of times. So Ken Anderson on the show there who actually had a really cool story recently, John, where he met a World War II hero uh, and that that gentleman wanted to meet a Bengals legend and Ken Anderson was able to do that. So very cool story with that. He talks about that and other things on Bengal Jim's most recent episode. So go check that out as well. As three and out from Jason and Kevin, they just did a fun episode as well, interviewing the Bangle Boys, the musical sensation that is the Bangle Boys. They do a great job on all the uh, parody songs centering around the Cincinnati Bengals. So, all that stuff is on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. Go get that. And if you like the video side of things, you got to give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, about 85,000 strong there. Our YouTube channel can be found underneath John Sheeran by that Cincy Jungle icon, the show icon. Click that to subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, and give us a thumbs up if you like what we're doing on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you for letting me do our shameless (laughs) self-promotion of the program. Uh, Let's go to the preview and the game keys. Um, John, there were some two very big stars have been prominently featured on the injury report this week. And both are good friends from their days at LSU and both are wide receivers for the each, each respective team. So uh, Jamar Chase has a, was it a heel, um, heel issue? I think. This is ankle. I think uh, ankle that's right. And uh, you know, Jam- uh, Justin Jefferson has been nursing a lot of different stuff, Uh, since you know he was on IR, but he is questionable. But it looks like Justin Jefferson, at least he has noted that he is going to be suiting up and playing for the Bengals this or for the Vikings this week against the Bengals.
2: Man, it was because that hamstring injury for Jefferson knocked him out like what seven weeks or so. He had like 600 receiving yards through five weeks, like he's still like third on the Vikings in receiving yards. And then his first game back, he gets absolutely popped in the chest enough to where he had to yeah. be taken to the hospital in Las Vegas. Yep. Fortunately, he was just checked there for, you know, casual things like internal bleeding. Nothing was wrong except just a bruise. Yeah, so, no big uh, he was, Yeah, just a big probably a welt, you know, right there in the sternum. He practiced I think um throughout the week. I think he was like limited and but he cleared up like on Tuesday saying like there's I'm I'm playing in this game, which is what Jamar Chase said uh Wednesday after he was listed as a as a dmp on like their estimated injury report they didn't actually practice tuesday it was just like a walkthrough so they didn't have to like make a, a legitimate uh practice report or anything been kind of common though with the Bengals, i think in recent weeks like dj turner and tyler boyd i think they were both like dmp's at some point with their injuries but it was just a case of you know giving them some rest and just ma- you know managing them giving them some maintenance throughout the week they're just nursing some minor things everyone's Mostly every player right now is injured. I think we say that every single week, but those are the guys that are just keep popping up on the injury report just with their respective ailments, and they're not practicing as much, but they're going to be playing. I think the Bengals had perfect attendance today on on their practice report, so only Joe Bocci is questionable.
4: Yeah,
1: Browning the right forearm, that was the, I, I believe, the sa- same injury that you know he left the game briefly with last week um, where he kind of had some some tightness or that sort of thing. That was kind of a an odd deal and obviously when you saw him go to the sideline and into the locker room you're like yeah oh, yeah what really um but yeah madison looking like he is not going to play this week and obviously you you talked about you know managing some things and kind of being overly cautious shorter week six day you know six day week here so there's you know kind of being overly cautious about some stuff um brian o'neal uh, I, I i don't know his status as of um you know, going into the weekend here, it looks like, uh, again, Jalen Naylor, he's, he's a did not practice for a couple of days this week with the concussion. Um, and then, you know, we talked about Jefferson and so the Vikings not only will be working with a backup, a third string quarterback this week, but also a, uh, you know, a, a stable of running backs without their, their starting guy. So they have a lot of stuff going on on offense that they have to overcome.
2: Yeah, I have the I have the updated injury report than looking for the Vikings. So O'Neal is out, and he's been their starting right tackle for I think the past couple of years now. They have a really good mm-hmm. tandem of tackles. Christian Darisaw versus Trey Hendrickson is going to be a phenomenal matchup to watch on the Battle. other side. Yeah, so they're going to have a backup right tackle, which is pretty good news for Sam Hubbard. Um, but yeah, Madison is out. Ty Chandler, I think, is going to be next man up. He's averaging a little bit more in terms of efficiency. He's more of a, more of a you know, breakaway type of guy. So he's got a little more speed to him, but he's not as experienced as Madison than anything else. So, but obviously the big thing is Jefferson, you know, like just him missing so much time, completely altered the Vikings offense and everything. But I mean, if you're going to be Nick Mullins, you might as well have arguably the best receiver in the game, though the Bengals, number one, might have something to say about that. I think he actually did actually today.
1: (laughs) They, yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of a friendly competition there, to say the very least. But we talked about this here, and immediately when you started talking about the Vikings defense, John, I started thinking about, okay, well, what have the Bengals done well? What Aggressive defense from the Minnesota Vikings that they'll be facing this week. And I'm thinking, you know, as the Bengals have logged the most carries that they have had as a team the past couple of weeks, I'm looking at I'm looking that direction again, potentially, but I'm looking, you know, again, draws uh, delay delays to to kind of work against that hyper aggression from the Minnesota Vikings defense. And then, of course, potential screens um, and, and probably getting the ball out quickly to Jamar Chase, uh, getting him his targets and letting him do his thing potentially in space. Um, and then, of course, if if there is, you know, single high coverage, etc then. Let, you know pop potentially pop a big one to chase that way but you know I, from the run game I'm, I'm specifically thinking of delays and draws that sort of thing to kind of keep potentially keep that vikings defense on its heels
2: yeah like their under center usage i think is going to be something to monitor because it's obviously a comfort zone for jake and it, it obviously boosts the run game and you can build play action off of that as well. It's just a way to kind of nullify the pass rush in general and they've just built so many just you know design screens and short passes off of it. So um they should stick to that more. I, I'm I'm curious if you know, if the game goes a certain way if they're gonna go more into shotgun, which I don't think would, would you know, do the offensive lineup of Browning a lot of good news with that, but yeah, like, it, like like you said, I don't think the Vikings are gonna change what they do with defense. I think it's only gonna amplify their identity in terms of just disguising blitzes and trying to get trying to get into Browning's face. His his time to throw in this game is probably gonna be sub two and a half seconds easily. It was like two point three against the Jags when a lot of the a lot of the beginning of uh, that was just him immediately getting the ball out. So I think I think that's gonna be what the game plan is centered around. Like they're not going to allow They're not going to put Jake Browning back in the pocket for more than three seconds. And if they do, it's going to be in some pretty desperate situations.
1: I also wonder, well, I mean, I know the talk's going to center around Jefferson and Chase. I also wonder, for a variety of reasons, if this is going to be a T. Higgins game. A game that he features prominently. He had a rough one last week. um, Almost had a very... A.J. Green-esque type of moment with A.J. McCarron uh, in the corner of the end zone there, but called for offensive pass interference and also had two drops, very uncharacteristic there. But, you know, I'd like to see him have a bounce-back game, and he might be kind of the short intermediate area, comfort zone type passing option for Jake Browning that uh, could be key for this offense this week, too.
2: Yeah, I mean... You want to talk about the the one missed touchdown? I, I think he could have had two. You know, he was wide open down the field, and Browning just, it was a very inaccurate pass. It, yeah, yeah, he put, put it over the other hand shoulder. Hand to the side. It was so funny, though, because, like, it was obviously a big game, and the, the whole crowd's going nuts. The camera immediately panned to Browning. He's just like, God damn it, I knew I missed that one. <laughs> That's true.
4: That's true. It, That's it true. was funny.
2: No, but like it's it's interesting how, you know, obviously Chase won off against the Jags and, you know, Browning's first good start and then Higgins, I guess, was the leading <laughs> receiver and Hudson has kind of been uh Tanner Hudson has kind of been kind of just finding himself in the middle. So it's kind of almost been like, you know, it's the same distribution or it's the same variation in terms of like when, you know, Joe Burrow's out there. Like one guy could have a big week, the next week, you know, it could be yeah. another player and it is it's arguably just has to do with matchups. So I don't think the Vikings necessarily have a cornerback that can you know, shut down Jamar Chase for the entire game. It's going to be about, you know, if the quarterback is going to be in clean pockets, get him the ball. I think their safety duo is honestly better than the cornerbacks. Harrison Smith has been playing at such a high level for like a decade. And Bynum is their other safety. He's playing pretty well. Ivan Pace coming back home to Cincinnati. He had, I think, the best game of any defensive player this past week. So he's playing with his hair on fire, rightfully so. He shouldn't have been undrafted in the first place. There's just a lot of guys on the Vikings defense that can make a lot of plays.
1: That is true. That is true. Um, but the Bengals have a lot of guys of their own. And again, I think still, as we look at this, um, you know, the Bengals right now per DraftKings Kings are, you know, they've been hovering between a two and three point favorite. And this, this is hard for me because a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, oh, they're going to get their asses kicked against Jacksonville. Right. I mean, basically you just felt like it. And then Last week, you're like, well, maybe, but probably Colts, barely. And then they win by three touchdowns, basically. And so now you're like, okay, well, what do we make of this? Because these are two teams that have identical records. These are two teams that have backup quarterbacks. These are two teams that have kind of some similar parallels, some differences as well. But, uh, you know, it is on, on Cincinnati's home turf there, so that plays into their hands. And, of course, Zach Taylor giving the fans a rally cry this week <laughs> saying, Hey, bring your your noise a game. I think it it was kind of it was a little on the quieter side last week, right? I mean, it was a little more tames. I I, I think also the proximity to Indianapolis. There were some more Colts yeah. fans than maybe you know usually are, are, are there. And of course, no borough. I mean, maybe some people were kind of expecting eh, who knows what what what's going on here. But regardless, Taylor had a rally cry for the fans and maybe said hey get another uh ryan geist or something in ya before you before you 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 get into the, the the stadium there so i don't know man what your, your thoughts on if the Bengals can achieve this win and i mean we talked a little bit about what they need to do obviously offensive line play paramount the running game and and doing some specific things in that regard and then I I think overall, too, man, just you got to keep limiting the errors. And thankfully, with even with a backup quarterback, the errors have been very, very limited. I mean, there have been some penalties and stuff, but knock on wood, the turnovers have been uh, held in check. They've created a couple. They've been able to rush the passer. And last week, zero sacks against the team uh, allowed against the team that had, what, the second most in the entire NFL coming into that week. So, I mean, it's just, you know, limiting the errors. But uh, overall, I mean, how how are you feeling about this one? And what do you see happening?
2: So I think we did a good job of covering all the scenarios of how this game could go. And I think it's important to note that, like, if this game does go sideways, this defense that the Vikings have is some, is a unit that can absolutely close this game. The problem, though, for them, though, it's still no one knows who Nick Mullins is at this point. No one knows if he's able to come in there. And, and put up points against this Bengals defense. The name we haven't really talked about, TJ Hawkinson. Like, he's their leading receiver. He's legitimately yep. one of the best tight ends in the league. It seems like it's been a problem for 15 years now, despite the improved play from the Bengals linebackers, but they've been getting gashed by quality tight ends this year Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram, you, like you name it. So, <laughs> Hawkinson, it, like if, if Mullins is firing on all cylinders, like Hawkinson could have a big game and that could make a huge impact. I think it's one of the matchups of this game. But. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the Bengals have the advantage of quarterback this week. I, I I'm not ready to say that Nick Mullins is gonna dice up the Bengals just because he's the backup quarterback, and that's a narrative. So I I, I do think there's gonna be a better atmosphere. We're both wearing. I mean, I'm wearing black. I think you're wearing like navy, but you're wearing yeah, it's too, like a dark blue. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be. I, I think Bengal Jim and, and a bunch of other fans are calling for like a self-imposed blackout for the crowd. We've had a whiteout. They've had you know Stripe the jungle. <laughs> Now it's going to be a blackout. This is like the second time that they've worn all black, with, including the Sox. My, one of my personal favorites. I don't want to see them losing that. I think the fans are going to bring it, and I think they have the better quarterback in this one. At least they have the better offense that's ready to go out there. They have an offense that can nullify the aggressiveness of the Vikings play with. They may not score a lot of points because, this, again, this is a really good Vikings team, but I don't expect the Vikings to score a lot of points either. So I'm going to go 17-10 to 10 Bengals. 17-10 to 10 Bengals.
1: Okay. I Look, this is a tough Vikings team. The defense is tough. Just, Justin Jefferson out there always poses a problem and Hawkinson also posing a problem too. Side note on that, man, this would be a, and I don't know, I, I think he went to Tampa Bay, but I don't know what he's doing or what he has or hasn't been doing, but this is kind of where you miss that Trey flowers player, potentially. Uh, you know, that that tight end specialist. That was Trey Flowers, who was effective, particularly in what 21 uh, in that role, uh, late in 21 when they picked him up, and then you know continued that last year a little bit. But they moved on from him, and uh, you know they kind of feel like the athleticism they have between a number of players can potentially pick up that slack. I don't know. We'll see. Kittle gashed him. You mentioned Schultz, and I mean a, a number of players have have gashed him at that p- position. So I think Muth had a big game a couple of weeks ago, too, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, it it just – you know, in days of yore, for those who have followed the Bengals for a long time, backup quarterback in which there is limited film and you haven't seen or maybe haven't fully prepared for all week and a lethal tight end. (laughs) That was always the the kryptonite for the Bengals' defense. And you go, how does this guy – Make these plays against the Bengals defense. Well, I, I think the Vikings will make, but they're gonna. There's no way they could get worse than they were on offense last week. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, but they will be facing similar issues from the Bengals defense in, in ways where there's a Max Crosby on that team, there's a Trey Hendrickson on this team, right? I mean that. So th- there's gonna be able pass rushers. There's gonna be uh, some some talent on that defense. It's a matter of can can you. Limit the damage from Hawkinson and Jefferson. I think Mullins is going to look at Jefferson a lot. And I think probably Browning will do the same with Chase this week as well. But, uh, you know, I'm with you. I think the Bengals, I I don't know if we're going to talk about a three touchdown win like we saw last week type of thing. I I, I do think that this is a game that the Bengals should handle based on everything that I have seen. I'll say 23-16 Bengals. Um, I, I think they can, they can kind of handle some things and maybe, you know, some of those points come a little later, uh, from the Vikings in this game. But I mean, it's a good team are, are the Vikings, but I think the Bengals are just in a little bit of a better place right now. And, uh, you know, their backup position is just more settled at this point than that of the Vikings. And that just makes a huge difference, particularly as you're in December and charging towards the playoffs.
2: It's a good point. I think. The one thing we haven't talked about, there's, I think there's a reason why the NFL kept this game on Saturday, because it was originally scheduled to be Saturday, you know, obviously Chase versus Jefferson, Burrow versus Cousins, everything, and obviously everything that happened with these two teams, and they kept it on Saturday. These these teams are both seven and six, and I think it's, it's honestly a matchup of two of the best coaching staffs that are just... best at adjusting in during the season like O'Connell has proven himself to be a quality offensive play caller and just a quality leader of the team and just everything that the Vikings have gone through this year because everyone tatted them to be an obvious regression candidate And, and part of that has been true they haven't been nearly as good in one score games but Cousins going down Mullins not being able to step up because he's also heard trading for Josh Dobbs and then getting like the most out of him getting the most out of just everything that they've had on offense despite everything going on it's just it's been impressive to see the Vikings get this far and I think they deserve a lot of credit just like Zach Taylor and the Bengals deserve credit for just completely you know doing a 180 with this offense with the new quarterback so it's going to be it's it's a game that I think it's still worth of that that national spotlight on Saturday afternoon even if it might even if it might not be high scoring it's it's a game between two coaching staffs that I think have earned a
1: lot is that your mic drop because that was a pretty that good like one Mike that was a Mike yeah. Drop. yeah that was a good that was a pretty good one and I'm gonna piggyback on that a little bit and just kind of say it's a shame that what has happened around the NFL in terms of quarterback injuries uh, it's just it's it's everywhere man I mean it, you know Herbert is the latest you got burrow you got Aaron Rodgers you got I mean the, the list cousins. goes <laughs> on and on cousins excuse me um you know Stroud last week left the game with a concussion and um, you know, Lawrence and his ankle injury, I, I think he, he ended it? up playing last week. Yeah, pick it. I mean, you go you go down the line, I mean, starting quarterbacks across the league. Um, but in a way, it's kind of a good thing that while that has happened, um, yeah, the play, the quality of play from some of those teams has definitely been sacrificed but there's still a lot of teams keeping things afloat you look at what the colts did you look at the Bengals right now you look at the vikings and their carousel and they're still have they still have a winning record right now so there are a lot of teams coming up with uh you know some some decent play despite the unfortunate issue with their their quarterback situation and to your point john i think that does come down to coaching is particularly when you have an offensive minded staff uh, guys with offensive backgrounds and their ability to adjust their ability to play to the strengths of their quarterback that's stepping in. And maybe, you know, I mean, I I think Robert Saul is a very good coach, but maybe that's where the jets go, "Man, man, it would be nice to maybe have a little bit more of an offensive minded staff when you lose an Aaron Rodgers instead of kind of a defensive focus type of team. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, when you have this type of situation, I think you you know hindsight's twenty twenty. You look at that kind of stuff and you go, man, having an offensive staff might have been, uh, you know, might, might have been fruitful in a situation like this. But then again, you don't really always plan for a contingency plan like this, uh, where where you lose your you know your star player that sort of thing. Anyway, Bengals Vikings this Saturday, big game, and hopefully the Bengals continue to march towards the playoffs there. Margin for error is pretty slim at this point if they want to get in, and there's a lot of different things that need to happen help-wise for them to get in. But, John, you have yourself a good rest of your week, my friend. We are going to get out of here. Thank you all for tuning in live. Thank you for tuning in after the fact, and we will be back to talk about this game and what's ahead for the Cincinnati Bengals on this show on cincyjungle.com. And my guy, John at A to Z sports, go check him out and everything he is doing covering the Bengals in the AFC North as well. We're going to do the outro this time. Once again, I promise. (laughs) So we're going to get out of here. Take care everybody.